today. So if you have your Bibles, and uh, I hope that you would actually bring these things in here. If, you don't, if you're not aware of this, these are actually uh, what God wrote to us. Um, he wrote it down in this little Bible, and w- these are the things that he says to us. And so it's important that we would bring it to the place where we're going to learn about him. Um, it seems simple, but I know for a lot of us it's foreign to bring our Bibles into this place or anywhere or take them off the shelf for that matter. So I'd hope that you would bring it with you, that you would open it, and that you would apply it. Uh, we have a lot to talk about today, and so um, my kind of custom is to not give you on the screen what the verses are. I like for you to open up your own Bible and for you to underline and highlight and yell out blasphemy if I say something wrong or whatever, but um, I hope that you would follow along, underline, highlight, see what's there, um, and we'll go from there. Um, as you know, when you hear it, Student Sunday, Jeff, Keith, and Hannah all peaced out. They said, nope, we're not March preaching, we're out of here. And so I'm, I guess y'all didn't get the memo, um, so sorry about that. But we're here today to talk about Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And... Uh, the reason why the back of your worship guide is blank is because I was kind of hoping that God would give me a different sermon or that he would give me something else to say, but it didn't happen, and so, sorry, you're stuck with it. Um, and so we're going to be in Matthew 26, 36 through 46. It's cool how all of them end with six. I did not plan that, but it's cool. Um, so here we are. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. We're going to start in verse 36. Then Jesus went with them... To a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and I pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, My soul is very weary, sorrowful even unto death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, We'll get to that in a minute. So the first thing we need to know is this. Jesus has gone to the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, if you're not familiar with the Garden of Gethsemane, what it is and what is actually going on there, Gethsemane is a quiet refuge. If you can think about it in my eyes, I think about it being like in New York City and you're in Central Park. In no way is this similar, but in my eyes, it's kind of the same, where you have this hubbub city of Jerusalem and then you have this Garden of Gethsemane where people could go and kind of escape to and get away from the city lights, the cell phones, the street lights, the cars, all that kind of stuff. They could kind of get away from it. And so we have Jesus who decides to go to Gethsemane and get away from everything. Now, if you're familiar with Jesus' teachings, he does this quite often. If you remember in Matthew 5, when Jesus begins to teach his disciples, he says, go to a quiet place, get off by yourself, shut the door, keep out the devil. That one. He says, go, shut the door, get away from everybody, and pray. And so here you have Jesus again, Matthew 5, Matthew 26, Jesus is modeling it again and again and again. He's again away by himself in prayer. And so the first thing we need to see right off the bat is that we have got to get away. We've got to turn everything off, and we've got to go to a quiet place, and we've got to pray. The reason why I was kind of hoping that God would give me something else in this is because this is me. This whole little passage here, and we'll see it as we walk through this, this is my life, and this is my struggle the reason why I didn't change the front of the cover that says journey to the heart of God is because this is where I am in my journey to the heart of God. This is the things that I am struggling terribly with. We talked about it in college Bible study, but these are the things that I am struggling with most deeply now. And so I'm just kind of being a mirror 
and letting you see the insides of how horrible I am, and y'all can just laugh and throw stones later. Um, but this is where I am, and so I hope that it would, you could see a little bit of yourself in these verses as I definitely see myself. In the Gospel of Luke, it says that Jesus' custom was to go away to Gethsemane. So we see that Jesus, right off the bat, is modeling to his disciples what he's taught them all along. And so in verse 38, they go away and they pray. And he takes Peter and James and John, the two sons of Zebedee. So he takes all of his disciples and then he says, you know what, I'm going to take the three of you and we're going to go even further. And he goes a little further and in Luke's gospel he says he goes a stone's throw away. So in my eyes, let me just go ahead and pick this out for you. You've got Jesus over here and you've got his disciples a stone's throw away. Well, some of our youth could throw a stone like as far as the stage is, and some of them could throw it really far away. So we're going to average it out and say it's about from the wall to the wall. So you see Jesus is a stone's throw away, and he's down there praying. It already says that his soul is troubled, and he is hurt. He, is, he knows what's going to happen to him. And he goes into the garden, and he prays this. He says, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. I want to take a second and look at this. You might have heard this uh, line of theology that says, name it, claim it, it's yours. If you just pray about it long enough and hard enough, it's going to happen, it's yours, you can have it. Well, Jesus didn't quite get it. He didn't. He says, and this is how we should pray, he says, if it is your will, God, I don't want to go through suffering, I don't want to go through trials, I don't want to go through embarrassment. I don't want to go through shame. I don't want to go through scorn. I don't want to die on a cross. I don't want any of that. But you know, if it's your will, bring it on. I'm ready. I will go. I will do whatever you want. I am ready to go. And see, some of us sit by and we say, Jesus, if it's, I want a car. I want a new this. I want my family to be together. I want blankety blank. I want blank. I want blank. I want blank. And we, if we pray about it long enough and hard enough, we believe that Jesus will give it to us because we are persevering in prayer. But we forget about the end of Jesus' prayer where he says, you know what? Bump everything I just said. Your will. Forget it. It's your will be done, not mine. And so we see Jesus who is just pouring his heart out saying, God, I don't want to go through all the things that are going to happen. I don't want to go through suffering. None of us wants to go through suffering. If you do, you've got some kind of weirdness issue going on. Nobody wants and seeks out suffering. And Jesus, again, in the garden is sweating blood, and he's saying, God, no, please no. But you know what? I'm ready. I am ready to do this because it's your will and not mine. And we continue on. Jesus comes back to the disciples, and he finds them sleeping. Now, um, as I read this, as I've said before, sometimes it's our custom to get kind of mad at the disciples, to say, you idiots, how dumb are you? You have Jesus who's here, and you are here. you got a dude sweating blood, and you got a guy probably groaning and yelling because he's so distraught, and you got the disciples over here sleeping. So the first time I read this, I was like, you, Peter, you are a moron. You are so stupid. Um, you should be not a disciple. I should be, because I'm awesome. And I sit here and read this stuff, and I'm thinking, how dumb are they? And I've said it before, when I look through the scriptures and I see the Pharisees and I see the disciples, I'm like, you missed it. How? You're with Jesus. How do you miss it? 
You're with God, the Father in man form. How do you miss things? And then when my pride gets done and I'm all done with the whole pride situation, I turn back and say, oh, shoot, it's me. He's talking straight to me. Because I know that it probably was me sleeping and it probably would be me asleep over and over and over again. And I wonder today, if we look at our lives and say, if Jesus were to take us out on mission, if we would be the people on our face and our hands and our knees praying, or if we would be asleep. You see, Jesus comes back and he says, hey, dummy. Uh, He actually says, hey, Peter, but I inserted, hey, dummy. So you could not watch with me one hour? Now, I, I see Jesus all the time just being like, you guys, come on, one hour? Seriously? And he says, you cannot watch with me one hour. And he continues, watch and pray that you might not enter into temptation. Now, if you remember Peter, Peter's the guy that's fixing to deny Jesus three times. He's fixing to enter temptation three times and deny him three times. And so right here we see Peter have an opportunity to miss all that and to pray on his hands and his knees to miss the trials that are going to come. He's got an opportunity to pray that he would be strong in the faith. But what happens? He falls asleep again. And I'm, I'm, I'm dumbfounded because I'm like, Jesus has just told you that you're about to enter into temptation. Why would you not get on your hands and knees and pray? Why? Dummy. You could have missed it. It says again, for the second time, he went away and prayed the same thing. My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came back and found them sleeping. At this point, if I were Jesus, I would have fired them all. Um, But again, I'm glad he has grace and mercy for us who just continue to fall asleep over and over again. Because see, in my life, I look at these disciples and I say, why is Jesus on his knees as it says uh, earlier in the passage, it says Jesus fell on his hands and his face and his knees before the Father and prayed with tears of blood coming from his face. Why is one like this and the other sleeping? What's the difference? What, why is one this way and why is one the other? And in my professional opinion, that means nothing. I think it was risk. I think it was because one was risking everything for the sake of the gospel and the other just wanted to sleep. I think one was so desperate about getting the will of the Father done that he would do anything to get there, and the other just wanted to take a snooze. And I think in our lives, we need to examine ourselves and say, are we on mission? Are we forsaking everything for the sake of the gospel? And if we are, I guarantee you, your hands and your feet and your face are hitting the ground in prayer. And if it's been a long time since your knees hit the floor and your face hit the floor in prayer, it's probably because we're not on mission. Because, see, there's a huge difference between Jesus and the disciples, and all it comes down to is they are risking it all for the sake of the gospel. And so, again, as I read this and I say, Mark, why does your prayer life go through this? Why is it like this all the time? It's because sometimes I'm risking things for the sake of the gospel, and other times I want to watch game day all day long and do nothing except watch game day and if you get me off that couch i'm gonna punch you in the face that's what happens i know that was a little bit much but that's what happens sometimes and i think sometimes we'd rather say you know what my vacation time is too important i'd rather not risk that for the sake of the gospel i would rather not risk my finances for the sake of the gospel i would rather not risk 
things for the sake of the gospel, I'd rather sleep. And again, in verse 24, 44, excuse me, Jesus says, or Jesus left them again. It says, so leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. He came to his disciples and said to them, sleep, take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us get going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And I think this is incredibly interesting because as Peter and James and John and the disciples are sleeping, there's betrayers who are asleep plotting. As all the disciples are sleeping and Jesus is up praying and he is on his face and his knees, the disciples are sleeping and evil all around them is wide awake, lurking right around the corner. And Jesus continues to beg them, stay awake, watch, pray with me, stay awake. And they can't. And, and in our lives, we say we're asleep and we're, we're done and we don't want to get up. But all the while, the evils of this world are just rampant. There are people in this city that need to hear about the name of Jesus. There are people in your neighborhood, in your apartment complex that need to hear the name of Jesus. That need to see it in you. Would you rather sleep? It was interesting. Last night, I couldn't sleep. I stayed up so long, tossing and turning. I had to pray. I mean, obviously, if Jesus hits you with this, you can't sleep. It's kind of like, I was like, Jesus, it's a metaphor. Come on, let me sleep. Come on. But he didn't. All night, I couldn't stop thinking about this and wrestling with this because this is the deepest groaning of my heart as I am struggling deeply with this. Because my prayer life is not where it needs to be. I am not risking it all for the sake of the gospel. I'm risking very little. Everything is so safe and pretty and nerfy. You're not familiar with this term, nerf. It's kind of how I feel about my life sometimes. It's a very nerf life. You know, little nerf guns, somebody, anybody, nerf life. It's how I feel sometimes. Thanks. And I know that, (coughs) excuse me, I know that this is a very difficult thing to swallow and digest, and I'm not saying there's application out this door. Everybody is going to be different, but the point of what I'm trying to say today is that we've got to start, excuse me, Don't drink Propel. Um, (laughs) Marketing. The thing about it, we've got to start conversations. We've got to start talking to our wives. We've got to start talking to our families. We've got to start talking to people about Jesus. And we've got to start figuring out how we can risk it for the sake of the gospel. Because there are people who need to hear and see Jesus in your life. And you, we have fallen asleep. And Jesus has come to us time and time and said, wake up, watch, and pray for the temptations coming your way. Watch, because there are opportunities, and we say we'd rather sleep. I'm right here with you. I'm not saying I'm any better. I'm the worst of any of us here. I sleep all day long. I look very little, and I risk so little. And I know it can be hard to say, Mark, why are you telling me to risk? You're a young one. You don't have kids. I understand. But guys, we have got to start risking our our reputations, our popularity. We've got to start, start risking things that are important to us so that the sake of the gospel can be known. It's time that we start moving out of our chairs, our pews, our couches, our homes, and start living the gospel out. It was never made to sit in nice little churches. It just wasn't. And for me in my own life, I'm far too tired of doing far too many things that just matter far too little. 
I want the gospel to be known to my friends, to my neighbors, to, to the people I'm around, and it starts with taking risk. There's a reason why in China the church is booming. It's because there is so much risk in being a believer. It takes so little risk to read your Bible here. It takes so little risk to pray, yet we do it never, or very seldom. There's an interesting thing. I tried to pull apart this verse that says 1 Thessalonians 5.17 that says pray without ceasing. And I found out there's a whole lot of verses that talk about praying without ceasing. There's verses that say every time I thought of you, I prayed. Every time my mind went to you, I prayed. Every time I had an intuition or anything happened, I prayed. These people prayed all the time. Paul, all the disciples, they always prayed. Timothy was constantly in prayer. There is no end to the verses that talk about praying constantly. And why is that? Is because they were risking everything for the sake of the gospel. They said, you know what, I don't want to do this. I don't want it, God. If there's any other way, let it pass. But you know what, not your will, not my will, your will. They continued to say it over and over. They said, God, your will be done, and I will do whatever it takes. I will go wherever it takes for your name and your namesake to be known. And in the midst of that comes suffering. In the midst of that becomes persecution. And in the midst of that comes hard times. This is not easy. The gospel is not easy. What we take to people is not easy. Jesus here in the garden is not easy. It's interesting to note that Gethsemane means an oil press where you go through and the, the, the olives from the oils are pressed out and it is a suffering time. In all the commentaries I read, it says that Gethsemane, for today in today's world, sometimes we call it people's personal Gethsemane when they are going through times of intense suffering. It's their personal Gethsemane. And you can see right here, Jesus is about to go through the ringer. And I think some of us, instead of running away our whole lives from suffering and hard times, need to embrace them and say, you know what, not, your, not my will, God, but your will be done. It's time for us to start praying that God's will be done in our lives and that we start living the life that God has called us desperately to live. I think it is amazing. I told this to the youth the other day. I was reading David Platt's book on radical lifestyle and this radical guy, and he's incredible. And he was talking about how he was in India, and he was talking to all these local rabbis and pastors, and they were talking about, what is your idea of getting to God? How do you obtain God? And they all said, well, God is on this mountain, and Buddhists and Christians and atheists, we all run up to this mountain. We all try to get to God, but we can't really. We're just all running up to this top where we can see God. We're all running, and all the religions are basically the same. We're all just trying to get to the top to, to get to God. And David, in his just eloquency of words, just said, that's cool and all, but in Christianity, we serve a God that came down to us to serve us, to show us how we are supposed to live, to be the guy on earth that exemplifies everything about the heart of the Father. In 1 Corinthians, it says that he is the exact imprint of God's nature, and we have a God that loved us so much that he came to us to show us, to suffer, to show us what it means to go through suffering. And so my question is you, to you today is just simply this. Are you asleep or are you on mission? Examine yourself. Examine your prayer life. Examine where you are spiritually. Examine what's going on in your life today. I'm not asking you to go out and do a bunch of deeds. I'm not going out asking you to be all legalistic and say if I check all this stuff off. But the deal is application of the text of the Bible is not legalism. It's doing what it says is not legalism. It's 
application. It's doing what it says. And so I want our church, I want us to be people who move from this place out into the streets of this city, out into our apartments, out to our businesses, and start risking it all for the sake of the gospel. Let me pray for us. Dear God, uh, I pray that this would sink in and soak into our spirits. God, I pray that you would teach me that of all people, I am the worst. And I need your grace more abundantly. Your disciples asked in Matthew 5 how to pray, and so God, I pray that you would teach us all how to pray, that you would take us away in a quiet place, and that you would teach us. God, we are not afraid of risk. We are not afraid of suffering. God, you sustain us, and you make us whole. God, I thank you for these students that have led this morning. God, I just want to personally thank you for what you've done in this place in the past. I want to thank you for what you are presently doing in this place, and I want to thank you for what you will do far past when any of us are in this place. God, you are a good God that loves us, that came down to the mountain because you love and care for your children and desire a relationship with us. In all things, we say that you are good. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.